This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ, as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. Praise the Lord, everyone. Let's go ahead and get started here tonight. Let's go ahead and get started. I think we're excited. Excited for something. I'm not entirely sure, but we're excited. Amen. Hopefully everyone can see this screen. There are some visuals to kind of go along with the lesson here this evening. If you can't see, there happen to be a couple of tables that are vacant. And the good news is that um, I'm not going to pull any tricks on anybody. So you can come sit closer, and that will not increase the chance of you being involved or picked on, or you can stay where you're at and squint, so there you have it, that's right, all right, well, before we get started, let's just pray, we have a lot of folks that are out at senior camp tonight, and so uh, we just want to pray for our senior camp and our young people that are out there, Um, a lot of things going on right now, we're just excited about so we're just going to pray for that. If anybody has a need, special need um, here tonight, uh, we're not going to take up requests necessarily. But if you have a need, something you want prayed for, can you just maybe signify that with a uh, lifted hand here tonight? I know there are a number of needs that we have. Amen. All right. A lot of things here that we need to pray for. The Lord knows what they are. Let's just take a moment. Let's just take a moment. We're going to take a deep breath. Let's just take a moment. Let's just pray. I don't want to just do this as a formality. Understanding, again, why we pray, we are communicating with the Lord. We are, we're calling on Him. We're trying to draw nearer to Him. If we do this in such a way that's trite or flippant or uh, that we're not engaged in, then I just, I want to say that we have to really understand who it is that we're talking to. We're talking to the Lord tonight. We're talking to God. And we're going to Him with our prayers our request, letting him know what's going on in our hearts or our lives. So let's just pray right now and ask God to be with us in this Bible study. Every need that's represented here tonight, that he would, that he already knows those needs, but that he would meet them and he would do a work in our lives every single one of us. And let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we do love you today, God. We thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together, to come together, Lord, right now where so many things are, are up in the air. So many things are changing, but you remain the same. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for being so good to us, so kind to us, and always near to your people, God. Jesus, we pray for every one of these needs that's represented here tonight. Lord, everybody, Lord, whether we lift a hand or not, Lord, we know that there are needs that are all across this building right now. Jesus, I, we know that you are the one that can meet our needs and supply our needs. So, Jesus, we pray that you would see to them, that you would minister to every person here tonight. Lord, we already know that you know the need and you know the answer and the solution that needs to take place. I pray within our own lives and our own hearts that you would guide us and direct us to what we must do 
the Lord work in sync with you so that you can do what it is that you know you already are going to do, Jesus, in our lives. Pray for this for our young people and our senior camp that's here this evening, Lord, that you would touch them and minister to them while they are out there and help us in our Bible study tonight to learn of you and to draw closer to you, understanding, Lord, that you want to draw closer to us tonight. Jesus, help us today, Lord, as we want more and more of you as we decrease so that you, Lord, may increase today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, I have a lot of stuff to go through, so I'm going to try to get through as much of it as I possibly can within this uh, almost 55 minutes. Uh, we've been talking about this notion in this series of holiness. Holy is a word that you'll find in Scripture. It's, it's gone, it, you'll find it from... Uh, throughout all of Scripture, you'll find this word holy. Maybe you've heard it in your readings or you've, you've heard it in songs and things like that. Pastor Hatton's done uh, several weeks here that's really drawn this out with the notion of wholeness, that we're not just called out un, uh, to be separate for a reason. We're separate unto God, and that's where it begins. Um, I want to just maybe say a couple of things while we get into some of these topics here because there were a number of things that were brought up last week on the board for us that we're going to work through. Um, the word holy, when we talk about holiness, and I'm going to mention this next week as well because there are a lot of people that aren't here, and when they are here, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. The word holy, when we think of the word holy, one of the first things that was when we, this series began is the word separation. And that was kind of worked on a little bit to help us realize maybe what that means. But part of the reality is this, is that the reason that we think the word holy means separate is because literally the word holy literally means separate. It literally means unique and set apart. It's not a matter of uh, anything else that if you look at the word holy, the word holy literally means in the, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, we're going to look at that where it began, and then throughout the New Testament as well, it literally means set apart and separate unto God and utterly unique. The first time we see the word holy, so maybe let me just let me let me just touch on this for a second. Um, we're, there are some subjects up here when we think of holiness and we talk and teach on holiness. We we hit issues. There are some issues that maybe we don't know the specifics of. We don't necessarily know the specifics on why this and what this has to do with holiness, how we dress, um, things like makeup and entertainment and clothing and um, what we consume, whether it's sometimes we think of like alcohol and what we consume as far as alcohol, but it has more to do than just what we drink and alcohol. It's really what we're putting into our bodies. Remembering, sometimes we get really heavy on one side, but we really don't take the other things that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. The temple. Now, Aaron had two sons. Does anybody remember the name of Aaron's two sons? Hophni and Phinehas. Exactly right. And they were of the priesthood, Aaron being the high priest, and they took it upon themselves to bring something defiled and profane into the tabernacle. 
And what happened when they did that? Flame leaped out, and it killed them. It's funny what we do and we introduce into our temple and think that it can't affect us. It's not just what we drink or it's not just what we eat, although that is true as well, but it's what we watch with our eyes. We things we think that we can consume and it won't affect us. It's what we hear with our ears, things that we think that we consume and it won't affect us. The whole point of this is not to give a list of rules, do these things, don't do these things. That was the Old Testament. We're not going back to the law. But what we are doing is realizing that as the temple of the Holy Ghost, of a holy God, even, even the spirit that indwells us, Holy Spirit, understanding that there is a consequence or there are certain things that we should safeguard. And so holiness has to do with all of these things, not just our outward appearance. And outward appearances should be an inward reflection of what's going on, what God is doing in here. So what does that mean? Does that mean we just kind of all figure it out for ourselves? Well, fortunately, Scripture gives us a lot of guidance on all of this. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time, and we're going to address some of these hot-button issues, find out what, what this is all about. The, one, the very first one that we're going to hit, and this is next week, but the very first one that we're going to hit um, our first time around, and actually, I'm sorry, it's not going to be next week. Next week, I'm actually going to be um, out of town, so Brother Powell's I, I hopefully going to be preaching, but when I come back into town, this is the first one we're going to hit. Are you ready for this one? Now, if you're sitting here and you have facial hair, don't look around like, oh, man, it's getting hot in here. I don't know. How, no, just, just relax. It's okay. It's okay. What? Go ahead, Sister Drew, it's so good to see you. Yeah, yeah, it's so good to see you, by the way. Welcome back. Yeah, good to see you. Um, the reason you have to wait is because I don't have time to get into it today. Unless you really, really want me to. But I have a lot of other things. There's a broader point that I really, what was that? That's fine. Yeah, there's a broad So don't, if you have facial hair, don't go shave it. Um, just keep it. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. We're going to get through this. All right. Hebrews 12 and 14. This is a foundational verse that I want to give as, we, as I kind of pick this portion of teaching up. Hebrews 12 and 14. It says this. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. There are two portions of this scripture that I want to focus on. It's obviously the last part, which is vitally important, without which no man will see the Lord. But the way that this sentence is written and is structured, that these two things go together, following peace with all men and following holiness. Sometimes we major on one or the other. I'll just be make sure that I'm really holy, but then in my holiness, I will, I'll put other people down or I'll make other people feel some kind of way about it. I'll condemn them about it. Or sometimes we want so much peace that we actually don't take a stand for anything. Everybody, everyone understand where I'm going here? Sometimes we take such firm stands that we draw, push people away. And sometimes we don't take any stand at all in hopes that we can make peace and everything will be okay. There's a word that we use for taking a stand, 
And the word that we use for taking a stand is called standing. 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 Now, if we were to just, if I were to say, hey, we're going to talk about standards tonight, boy, we, that automatically has a lot of energy attached to it. So it's not, understand, it's not just about standards. It's about in holiness, I am taking a stand for holiness. Taking a stand for a separation unto the Lord. So following peace with all men, we, want, we don't want to, by our commitment to holiness, we don't want to push people away. But at the same time, we don't want to have just a focus on peace without also taking a stand for holiness. This first slide that you see here is, there's a scripture on it. It might be a little hard to read, especially if you're further back. But again, anyway, okay. Um, it says this. This is found in, in, in the book of Exodus. And this is the very first time, Exodus 3, 5, this is the very first time that you see the word holy in Scripture. Exodus 3, 5. This is the Lord speaking to Moses. And he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Now, if we were to say, now this is not like a doctrine, like, okay, if you want to get close to God, take your shoes off. It's not like, no, please keep your shoes on right now, okay? I mean, my sense of smell after having COVID is gone, but it's starting to come back, so just keep your shoes on. But what I'm saying is, in, our, in the hubris of our culture and our mind today, we would, in our culture, we would push back at God and we would say, why should I have to take my shoes off? I don't want to take my shoes off. I want to get closer without taking my shoes off. And do you know what would happen if you got closer to God without taking your shoes off in that moment? You would die. He's, he's a holy God. And he says, don't come closer or else you are going to die. It's the he, this is the first time in scripture we see the Hebrew word kodesh, which means holy. And it means apartness and sacredness and separateness. It means uniqueness. And God is described as holy because he is unique. There's nothing like him. He is utterly unique. And so what most people will do, most scholars, or a lot of scholars do, is they use an example of the sun. And they say, because you could say that the sun is unique within our solar system. We don't have another sun. We just have one. And when that one goes out in a billion, billion years... You probably know how long the sun, you know, sun I'm, okay. Anyway, you know, it, it's over a billion years it's projected that the sun is going to keep burning. Okay, fine, whatever. But when the sun goes, we, we only have one sun. We don't have a replacement sun. And so when, when that goes out there, we won't have like another one. We can just kind of roll in like a spare tire. Like, oh, let's just roll this one in. Like we only have one. And so the sun to our solar system is unique. God is likened to the sun in such a way that Here's the interesting thing, that when you get closer to the sun, the more intense it gets. I mean, here we are in Minnesota, and if you're fair-skinned like some of us, and the, 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 the globe is closer to the sun maybe this time of year, and you have those hot days, and you're underneath the sun, and you're cutting the grass in the sun, and you go, man, this is, this is not working out for me right now. Okay, well... You understand the point that I'm making, though. Okay, but you understand the point that I'm making, Brother Reed. The point is, the closer you get to the sun, 
the more intense it becomes. The closer you get to God, the more intense the relationship becomes. And what it actually requires is for one party in that relationship to change. And who do you think that is? I could probably, you got a 50-50 chance. I think you can get to, we can all get this one right. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. The solar system, the sun in our solar system is unique. It gives light. It gives warmth. It has a gravitational pull to it. It brings life on our planet. And, and for this, we are utterly dependent on the sun. At some point, however, we realize that the closer you get to the sun, the stronger the pull, the brighter the light, the more intense the heat, and the more dangerous it becomes. All of the unique power and life-giving force and influence that the sun has, that, that it gives, is also dangerous. And if we as Christians don't understand that at some level, God is dangerous. That's probably not very popular. And our flesh rises up and says, no, he's not. How could God? Hold on a second. If we really know who he is, do we think lions are not dangerous? They're, they could be majestic and wonderful, but get out of your car and go pet it. Don't, don't do it. There's, there's a, there's, we were just in, in South Dakota, and there were bison on the road. And even they said, there are signs that say, don't get out and pet the bison. Like there were, there were donkeys and mules, like kind of like roaming uh, mules that were going along. No problem with them. You kind of go up and you pet them, and they kind of look for something to eat, and then they kind of wander off. And that's just what they do. But the bison, you mess with them, and guess what? They're going to stampede you. They say, even for a harmless-looking bison, stay in your vehicle. Don't go try and pet it. Why? What does that vehicle do? It creates a barrier. It creates a distance. And if you want to get closer to it, you have to realize that it becomes more dangerous the closer you get. The relationship with God is actually very similar in the sense, now God's not a wild creature. He understands our frame. He knows how we are. But at the same time, that in, in the closeness that we have with him, and we're going to get into some scripture, the closeness that we have with him, the less of me there needs to be. We have this saying that I'm going to give God more of me. I think he wants less of me. <laughs> like, like, it's less of, I, I, don't, I need less of me in this relationship, and I need more of you, Lord. I, scripture bears this out, I must decrease so that he may increase. Paul says, I die every single day. Every day. Holiness is not just, it's not a part of duty, it's for our safety. 
So the closer you get, he is good. He is good. He's not like the things of this world because he's not punitive or abusive, but because he is so good and he wants us to come closer, we can't use human logic for this. We have to use obedience. Scripture tells us to rightly divide the word of truth. That means if there's a right way to do it, there's also a wrong way to do it. So we don't rely on our own understanding and what closeness with God looks like. He wants us to rely on him. In Exodus 3 and 5, we read that, Draw not hither, put your shoes off from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Verse number 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And the Bible says, Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Here's what's so interesting about this, is the first time we see the word holy in Scripture, it gives a glimpse of, for us of what we can expect from God and, and what we can expect of ourselves today. Moses, what's happening here is that God is drawing Moses' attention to him. He's saying, Moses, I'm getting your attention. I'm getting you closer. I want to talk to you but you are not pure, so don't get too close. In fact, don't come any closer. Take off your shoes and just hear me speak. God's command was for him to take off of his shoes. It was understood to mean that Moses had personal defilement and unworthiness to stand in the presence of spotless divinity. I'm going to say that again because there are a lot of words there. It means that he had personal defilement in an unworthiness to stand in the presence of spotless divinity or a holy God. But did that keep God from drawing him closer? No, it didn't. It, let, it, it spoke to Moses and said, this is what you need to do. I want you to get closer to me, but you, gotta, you have to be a part of this process. Brief recap of Leviticus, Pastor Hatton had, had done this and talked about how getting closer to God and, and what holiness looked like. What you have see on the slide behind me here is a picture of the tabernacle, and uh, this is before the temple was built, so this is the traveling, basically the traveling tent that traveled along in the wilderness. And it was set around, and the camp was, was surrounding this, and, and the notion is this, is that you have here... If you can see, if you can't, maybe maybe bend or something so you can see. You have this portion here, which was the gate. And after the gate, you would go into, anybody remember what this part was? Not the furniture, just this portion of the tabernacle. Is the outer court. Outer court. Lots of people could go there. If you were a Jew, you could, you could kind of go, you could go in there. You, you, could, you had access. You had access to, to this, this portion. A Gentile had to stand at the gate. Gentile couldn't even get in there. That's why Cornelius received the Holy Ghost while Peter was preaching to him because Peter said, you can get into the gates now. And when he said that, he, he was able to enter in and to get to close to God. Anyway, um, so here he is, and, and, and there's the outer court. But then you go past the outer court, and you go through these um, pedestals, and you go into the next portion, which was the inner court. Anybody know name for the, another name for the inner court? No, the Holies of Holies is the last station. 
but it was called the holy place. Did you know that in Exodus 30, the Bible says that if you, uh, the priest, that the priest, if the priest, Exodus 30, I think this is 20 and 21, that if the priest was to touch anything in the holy place, not even the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, if you're in the holy place and you were to touch anything without purifying and cleansing yourself, you would die. We haven't even gotten to the holies of holies yet. We're talking about now you're from the outer court and you're in the inner court, and now when you get to the inner court, more is required of you. And now you want to get to the holy place, but there's a veil separating you from the holiest of holies, which is God's presence. And there's a veil separating you. Hmm. Everyone doing okay? Is this all right? I'm excited about this because this subject just, it, it, it invigorates. It's exciting. It, what the notion is this. The closer you get to God, the closer you get to holiness. And the closer you get to holiness, the more serious it becomes. If, if we're hanging out, listen, if you're a, if you're a, uh, if you're a, um, uh, not a Levite, but if you're like a, a Danite or from the tribe of Naphtali and you're hanging out like out here, you don't worry about that. You don't worry about what's going on in here. You don't even worry about dying because you're out here. You're in the periphery. You're not getting closer to the presence of God. But then when, when if you're the priest and, and, it's, and if you're the high priest and it's your job to do that, you're really worried about that because that's life or death. The closer you get to holiness, the more serious it becomes. When we're talking about holiness, this isn't just a matter of, oh, what can I wear? What can't I wear? What can I watch? What can't I watch? It's really a matter of how serious do you want your relationship to be with God? It, it, it's so serious, honestly, that a lot of churches in Christendom don't touch this subject anymore. And they just say, well, you figure it out and you work on it and, and just kind of Work it out. Work out your own salvation. I'm going to get to that verse in just a second because that will blow your mind. But, but it is. Look, we're talking about a holy God. And the scripture says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is which is in you. It's that same Spirit that came down in the in the Holy of Holies, and that that whole atmosphere, like that's now in you. And and we kind of treat it really really carelessly sometimes. Okay. Is this okay? Are we doing all right? Okay. Well, like half of us and the other half like, I'm not sure yet. Okay. Just stick with me, please, just a little while longer. So when you get to the temple, here's, here's the tabernacle. Here's the cool thing about the design of the tabernacle, that it was specifically designed by God, God-given instructions, and one of the neat things about the tabernacle is it didn't have any influences from any of the other tribes. There were no insignias from any of the other tribes or anything like that in here. None of them. Because it didn't have man's influence, it was all about God's design. Holiness is not about man's influence. See, let me just put it like this. Culture should never dictate holiness. Is that fair? Were you doing okay with that statement? Culture should never dictate holiness. 
ever. If culture says this is okay, I know this is being reported, but I kind of don't care. Like, if the Pope says this is okay because culture has shifted, who cares? What does God say about it? Culture is, is, is saying everything's okay right now, and that's crept into the church, and now the church is saying everything's okay right now. Who cares what the world says? Who cares what culture says? And if this church gets to the place where we start saying things like that, which by the grace of God we won't, but if we ever got to that place where we did, then God help us in that, in that state. We, we have to recognize that just because culture says it's okay doesn't mean that we should go along with it as well. I feel, I feel I'm a parent, obviously, of a couple of kids anyway, and I, I have a heart for other parents of uh, young kids and adolescents, teenagers right now, that their children are feeling the pressure from this world to have all kinds of things that they have no business having. Is this all right? All right, I'm going to talk to some parents and grandparents just for a real brief. I have to hurry. I'm sorry. I, got, I just got to keep rolling, but I, got, I have to say this. Just because your kids' friends have smartphones and unlimited access to a smartphone doesn't mean that your kid or your grandkid or whoever needs to have a smartphone and unlimited access to a smartphone. Is that okay? We, I, I know this is a little hard. It's not meant to be hard, but really what it is is an awareness that the pressure of our world has come, has come to our shores. And how do we grapple with we can grapple with it. We really should. So the closer you get to God, the closer you get towards him. It's not about man's influence. It's about God's design. Until So all of this continues, and the tabernacle goes on and, continue, and continues with the progression. Until you get to the holy of holies. So this is the holy place, and it has the, the golden candlesticks, the table of showbread, the altar of incense. That's where Hophni and Phinehas, they were, they were wiped out because of what they had done. But right before you get through this veil into the Holy of Holies, do you know what you, what do you see on that veil? It kind of looks like a hawk, but, it, but, it's, but it's angels. And in Exodus, it tells us specifically that it's cherubim that are placed there. Are we, is this okay? Are we good right now? All right. This isn't a trick question, but I want to challenge us. If, if, you know your, if you know your Bible, when was the last time you saw cherubim? Like, when, for the priest, the last time they would have seen a cherubim was at the Garden of Eden. And what were they doing? Brother, Brother Gibson, they weren't sitting there playing cribbage. <laughs> The cherubim were standing at the east gate holding flaming swords and saying, okay, whoever comes this way, whoever tries to get into this place of perfection is ruined. So now we have the high priest who's supposed to go through the veil and into the presence of God, and he sees cherubim right in front of him. What what do you think that that means to them? It means I better be right if I want to get into this holiest of holy places of God. And so what did they have to do? They took off all their priestly garments because it no longer mattered what their position was. And they were dressed in white linen, symbolizing purity. 
so that they could approach God. I know what we're thinking, well, this is 2021, and we don't have to deal with this anymore. We do have to deal with this. No, there's no veil to go through, because the veil that we have passed through was Christ's flesh. We see that in Hebrews, that it's his flesh that was torn for us, and that was the veil. But understanding that these are the things that we are introducing into our temple. And is that something that is holy and acceptable to God? Philippians 2.13, I mentioned earlier that in, in modern Christian, Christianity, these, this, these sorts of subjects aren't talked about, and it's kind of left to your own to figure it out. In Philippians 2.13, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I think it's so powerful. It says, For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What that means is he'll give you the will, and he'll give you the ability to carry it out. But there's a verse that precedes this, giving you the will and giving you the ability. Remember, uh, pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Okay. He'll give you the will, and he'll give you the ability to carry it out, to pursue holiness. But there's a verse that precedes that, and it's verse number 12. And it says, and I mentioned this, I alluded to this earlier. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now in my absence, much more in my absence, the end of that verse says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. It's almost intentionally redundant. Fear and not just reverence. See, that's where we get this mixed up. People say, well, fear in the Bible means reverence. I've mentioned this a lot of times, how Scripture says, um, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. It, it, it is reverence, but it is a fear knowing. It's, it's a fearful thing to be in the hands of a loving God. John, in, in Revelation, when John had seen Jesus fully revealed, his, what was his response? His response wasn't, oh, I revere you. Like, I respect you. He fell to his face like he was dead because he was so fearful. Now, what was Jesus' response? Jesus' response was to come to him. Jesus' response was to draw near to him. Just like on the Mount of Olives when, when Jesus was transfigured and, and then and then uh, Peter says, well, let's build three temples here, one for Jesus and these other. It's great. And then, boom, big shining light, big voice comes down, and the disciples, Peter, James, and John, fall down to the ground, just like Moses did, and hide their face. Scripture says that even in their fear, which was appropriate, Jesus still came to them. And the Bible says he touched them. What I'm saying is this, is that Jesus understands the, our frame. He knows how we're built. He knows our weakness and our frailty. And he's a holy God. At the same time, he also knows the necessity of mercy and grace. So he extends them. 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What, what does fear and trembling look like to you? I'll just throw that out there. And anybody, fear and trembling. How, how do you perceive that? What does that mean? Reverential awe. Good. Anybody else? Fear and trembling. Yes, just come. Cautiously. Extremely cautious, right? Like that yellow light, you know, you got the red one, that means stop, and the green one, that means go. And like the yellow one means it depends. Oh, step on, yeah, step on, yeah. Isn't that like a cautionary thing? Like, isn't it cautionary? And like cautionary for us means, are there any police around? Let's go. Like, it means be really, really careful. Has anybody ever been so scared you were shaken? So scared you were shaken. Yeah. Situation you can't control. I've been so scared I was shaken. And when that situation is done, the question is, do you want to do that again? Nope. I made it out. I'm good. I'm good. Working out your own salvation, here's how we want to bring it into holiness, because we had talked about some of these, these expressions that we have, is this, is, is almost as if you were standing in front of the veil, entering, being prepared to enter in through the veil. And do you possess something within you that is not holy? And is it worth it trying to go through the veil with that which isn't holy? Oh, but pastor, you're making a big deal out of this. Yep. <laughs> Turns out I am. Because it is a big deal. Holiness is a big deal. Holiness in our hearts is a big deal. Being separated from this world and unto God is a big deal. It's not the only deal. Everyone just relax. It's not the only deal. But it's a very big deal. So much so that I'm going to, I'll pick, um, uh, let's see, let me pick something that's non-controversial. No, maybe it all kind of is. I'll just pick media, for example, because I kind of, media just bugs me. Like, media bothers, this is just me being personal tonight, so don't everyone take this personally. This is just me. Media bothers me because of how manipulative it is. It's tremendously, even, even the, the quote-unquote good media is still manipulative. That's their job is to manipulate, to take the facts, to take the truth, to take what happened, and then spin it so that an aud one audience can be supportive and another audience can be outraged. It's to polarize people. We get so wrapped up in the media. And so if we're talking and the Lord begins to talk to you in your heart about media, that can be social media, that can be things that you watch, 
It can be movies. It can be shows on, well, it used to be TV shows, but you know, TV doesn't really matter anymore. It's so obsolete that Netflix, uh, HBO, whatever it is, I, I, I have no clue, but I'm assuming that those are still things. Um, it could be the music that you have, okay? And the Lord begins to speak to you about those things, and, and we go with the, the culture of our world says, well, that's okay. It's a loving God, and, and he probably doesn't care if you, you, you watch that. He probably doesn't care if you listen to that. Do you, think, do you think he cares? So much so that you're willing to risk trying to go through the veil with that attached to your life. So fear and trembling means here I am before the veil. have this in my hand. If this thing that's in here, is this worth trying to make it through the veil? Seeing if I might survive. Define, if we can seriously answer that question, we'll define that if we are working out our own salvation with genuine fear and trembling, we'll actually find that most of the things that we come across, most of the controversial things, gain ground. I don't need to try to make it through the veil. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. I'm sure, you know what? I'm not going to argue about it anymore doesn't even matter because I want to make sure at the end of the day I'm facing a holy God I want to make sure that I am covered I know it's a little heavy tonight <laughs> I'm just trying to help us a little bit because it was it was a big deal it was a big deal in the garden Adam Eve You've sinned, you're unclean, you're impure. So what did they have to do? They had to go. They hid themselves. They tried to cover themselves. And here's such a cool part of Scripture is that they realized that they were naked, and so they tried to cover themselves, but their own efforts to cover themselves were futile. They weren't good enough. So God had to come and do it correctly. Okay. We, we can try to institute so many things to protect ourselves and to, to, to cover things up. But what really has to happen is that God has to do a work in here. And we need his covering. We need his covering for that. Let me just put it this way, because there are some people that think, that think this, that think you need a pastor's covering. You don't need a pastor's covering. You need God's covering for that. You need God's covering for that. Like, don't rely on me or Pastor Hatton or don't rely on your elders or your, or, your, or, or your peers to be your covering. You need God's blood covering in your lives personally. We need that. So it, it, are we making this serious? I'm making it serious because it was serious. it's serious in the Bible. Every decision that you make, everything that you bring to your temple is important. In the garden, they had one command. Don't eat of this fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that was it. 
And when they kept this command, they abode in communion and harmony with God. Fast forward, the rest of the Torah gives you 613 commands to the people to keep them pure. And that was the whole point, to live in community, communion and closeness with God. So this has always been important. But God, in his mercy, helps us through it. Because in our own mind, we think, well, how, how can I make it through? God, in his mercy. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. I want to give, give this to you here as, we're, as I'm starting to kind of wind it down a little bit here tonight. I think we're going to make it through. Thank you, Lord. Um, Acts 17 and 30. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And Acts 17.30, it says this, Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked. If you have a King James Version, it might say that he winked at it. Like, kind of like, okay, okay. Yeah, he kind of saw us doing some things, and in our ignorance, he goes, okay, okay. All right, I'm going to, I'm not going to impart, impute that on you. Like, I'll just, I'll work with you through it. But then when you speak, and when you know, and when you've been exposed and you know what's real and what's true, he's like, it's no longer ignorance. There's a reality to it. And for us, that's so important to take in and, and to remind ourselves about that we can't be ignorant to this. So now we're, the, the, the issue here is we're, we're, we're opening things up and saying, oh, good, holiness. And this really opens things up in our lives. Yeah, absolutely can open things up in your life. But at this time, there's an awareness that you now have. And there are certain things you can't unsee, that you can't, you can no longer claim ignorance of. Anybody ever uh, kind of get in trouble, but you kind of got out of it because of ignorance? I mean, ignorance is no excuse, but sometimes it's it's good enough excuse. It's worked for me a couple times. I'm not going to tell Daniel. Don't shake your head at me. I I know what I did, but you know. I had to repent and everything, but I, I was ignorant. I was ig- I, I just said I didn't know. I didn't know I could go 70 and a 25. I, I didn't know I couldn't do it. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just kidding. Everyone just, I didn't do that. Like, I didn't, like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lying is not the same as ignorance. Like, a convincing lie is not the same, yeah. No, ignorance, you, you can claim ignorance for a while, but then pretty soon you, you know better. You get pulled over by the same officer for doing the same thing. He's like, look, I told you about this last week. You talk about ignorance. I can't claim ignorance. I just talked to you about this. Or, or I'll do that with my kids. Dad, I didn't know I could. Okay, you know what? That's fair. I probably never instructed you on that or no one told. So you know what? That's on me. I, I just, I'm sorry. But then when they do it a second time, it's like, no, we talked about this. You can't claim ignorance anymore. That's where we get like, we, man, I want to talk about holding. This is exciting. This is good. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I don't want to see that anymore. I don't want to. I don't want, I want to remain ignorant because ignorance is bliss. So I just want to remain happy. I don't want to see this anymore. And one of the reasons why we push against this is because our flesh doesn't like it. Because it requires more of us. It requires more of us. More of us have to die. More of us have to die. 
So to this point, and I'm, I'm hastening to a close here tonight, we've gone over the following. Holiness as a definition, unique, set apart, and sacred, utterly unique and good. Holiness in Scripture, first appearing in Exodus 3, Yahweh draws Moses in. But Yahweh also told Moses not to get too close because of the danger. We've touched on the innocence of the, and the purity of the garden and about how sin has brought the separation and the, the introduction of sin with a cherubim and a flaming sword to guard the holy place. We talked about the holy place and the holy of holies and the cherubim separating humanity from the pure presence of God where wrath and intimacy awaited. So there's this, there's this running theme that takes place is that this, this constant balance and tension where the Lord is saying, come closer, come closer, but also understand that it's going to cost you something. It's not going to cost you. It's not saying get out your credit card and take up an offering. That's not it. There are churches that do that, and it's like, no, that's not it. It's not about money. If money is a thing in here, then you better believe it's about money. For some people, it is money. For some people, it's success and career. For some people, it's looks. Oh, boy, I'm doing okay. It's all right. And the Lord says, look, if you want to stay at a distance, he'll let you stay at a distance. But I don't want to, I don't want to stay at a distance from my God. I want to draw closer to him. I want to get closer to him. And if that means that I have to have less of me, then we have to make a decision in our mind, how close do I want to get to God? When we talk about the word repentance, the word repent is a military term that literally means to turn around. That's the first step in getting closer to God, is stopping and turning around, facing that direction. And what you'll see, like a moth drawn to the flame, he's drawn you closer. But he's also letting you know that some of you that has to shed, some of you that has to shed so that you can actually grow. So, if you hit a plateau, I'll, this is something very practical. If you hit a plateau in your relationship with God, consider, con just consider, Lord, is there anything in me? Search my heart. Know my thoughts. Search me out, God. Know my ways. And if there's anything in me that doesn't belong to you, that's keeping me from growing closer to you, God, Reveal it to me. Let me know. But be careful when you pray that, because guess what? That favorite book series that you've been reading and you've got on your shelf, he might say, it's time to go. That, that favorite music or that, 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 um, that, that series that you're in the middle of binge watching and, like, you can't wait because the next episode is a pivotal episode, he might say, you got to give that up. No, God, no, i got to find out. And he's saying, no, you don't. Seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. Because you know when we don't find him is when we search for him with a divided heart. But he's saying, look, what if it's, this is a funny one that's on, well, funny, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. This is, to me, it's a funny one that's on here, bowling. 
There's a reason why bowling's on there. I don't know who said that. Like, there was a question about bowling because somebody grew up and saw bowling's bad, bowling's evil. It's of the devil. I don't know. Somebody said, and, you know, I've heard, like, okay, fine. But, like, if, if you got a problem with bowling and, and, and you don't have a problem with bowling, what are we going to do about this? Are we both going to heaven? You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And, if, bro, if I know that you, if I know that God has convicted you about bowling, he hasn't convicted me about bowling. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to invite you to go bowling with me. I'm not going to show you pictures. Look at it. I got a 300. Like, look how good I did. Like, I'm not going to do that. Because that becomes a stumbling block to my brother. Yeah. Yeah, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So, like, if, if, if there's something that somebody else has got a personal conviction about that God's working about with them in here, it's not my job to say, you don't got to worry about that. It's my job to say, I need to worry about that for you. It doesn't mean that we can't go bowling sometime, but he's not going to invite Lee. No, I'm just playing. Like, like, no, but like, like I want to prefer my brother more than I really care about my own comfort. I want to see you make it rather than my own comfort for things that really don't even matter. If I know somebody has a hard time with, with whatever activity it may be, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. Here's, here's a classic example. I went somewhere once where the, the pastor of the church said, and if you have this conviction, I'm not making fun of you, but the pastor of the church said, wedding bands, we don't do those here. The form of jewelry, we don't do those here. So you know what I said? Bless God. I put this ring on my wife's finger, and she put it on my finger, and if you don't want me to preach at this church, because I was invited to speak there. So they said, look, it's just an offense. Or, like, we don't want any confusion. I said, bless God, if you don't want me to preach here, you're going to have to put on a ring. And, and, you know, just like, I'm, no, I didn't do that. What do you th- I didn't do that. I think it's silly. But you know what I did? I said, okay, no problem. Took it off, put it in my pocket. Is that a big deal? It's not like I'm Frodo and I've got this thing in my pocket. Like, it's just a ring. It's just, it's just a ring. Who cares? So I just, I just moved on. I've heard of some people say when, they, when that's happened to them, that, that pastor came to preach at their church, they said, well, we wear rings here, so you have to wear a wedding ring. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to anybody, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, it, it means nothing to me when it comes to salvation, when it comes to, when it comes to being a stumbling block for somebody else. Paul, and I, I don't have, oh, I really got to hurry. Paul puts it to this point, and he says, he goes to the very specifics of food that's offered to idols. Now, I want you to consider that for a second, because we, we have a separation from this. But consider that there's an idol that somebody's worshiping. And we would say all kinds of maybe demonic things are attached to that. Okay, whatever. But Paul says that for some people that aren't convicted of that, they can eat the food that was offered to that idol. They're not eating some demon food. They're just eating food that was offered to an idol that has no power. But some people think that there's something wrong with that. So what does Paul do? Does he say, get in the ring and, 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 and duke it out? He says, no. For the sake of your brother, don't offer him food that's offered to an idol. For the sake of your brother, just put that in the pantry and serve him some lentils or something. I don't know. Like. The whole point of this is pursue peace with all men and holiness, that we're all working at this together. 
and we may have differing convictions about a few things, there are some things that are clear. We're going to get to that. We may have differing convictions about a few things. We've got to learn. The word of the Lord is more, God's more concerned about us working together, even in our differences. Here's the case in point. Here's the case in point. I got it. One more, one or two more scriptures, and then we'll close. Case in point is this: is that Corinthians, Corinthians, First Corinthians is a pretty brutal book, and Paul takes the church to task, or the letter has a lot of Paul reporting and saying, "Here's what I'm hearing about what's going on at your church." Does anybody remember some of the things that are going on at the church? They're abusing communion. Do you know what that meant? They're just getting drunk off of communion. I find it interesting that, you know, communion and foot washing are kind of together, that they didn't abuse foot washing. <laughs> like, nobody can abuse foot washing. It's like, I can't wait to wash someone's feet. Like, no, nobody abuses foot washing. <laughs> but they abused, okay, so they're abusing communion. And then, and then there was a, 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 a man who was having sex with his stepmother, and the whole church knew about it, and they were all bragging and high-fiving about it. Okay, so here Paul, he's, he's, he's talking about all of this, and you think in his letter, you, you think you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, listen here, you bunch of reprobates and sinners. You know what he says? I have something against you because you have ought against your brother because there's division in your church. Wait a second, Paul. Aren't you supposed to address all of this? We can get to all of that, but he says... What he was more concerned about was the division. He says, you know what? I can work through these issues, and God can help me work through these issues. And with the help of the Lord, we can work through some issues. But if there's division in the church, that will poison the well. And it'll lead to bitterness that will kill everybody. So in this whole notion of holiness, there are some things that we want to lay out there pretty clearly. But I want us to understand that it's more important the most important, the key thing is that we are in this together. 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 Is this all right? All right. <laughs> all right. The last point I want to make, I'm drawing this from Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah 6, um, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. Its train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Do you remember when we did a study on the devil and, and demons? Now, some of you are going to think, what kind of church is this? Just relax. Like, this is a part of a larger series. Do anybody remember what the seraphims were? Anybody remember what the seraphims were? In the Hebrew, there was, the word seraphim literally means snake. Just if you remember. Okay. Here's just, that's just a little poof, little word image. Okay. So I saw above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his feet, uh, his face. With two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried to another, saying, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory." And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the voice was filled with smoke. Then said I, "Everything's cool because God is great." No. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. He's saying, I'm done for. I'm going to die because I'm a man of unclean lips. 
I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then, this, and nobody in heaven, like nobody in heaven denied this and said, no, you're okay. No. Something had to happen. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken from the tongs from off the altar, laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Isaiah's cry of lament is this, I'm finished, I'm done for, I'm unclean, I live around a bunch of unclean people, and my eyes have seen the Lord Almighty. He was in utter despair because he knew that because of this one thing in his life, he was going to die. The one thing. He didn't go down a long list of things. He said one thing. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. So because of my uncleanness, I'm going to die. If you want to draw closer to God, what we're going to do is we're going to work through some, some notions of holiness and how we express it and why. And that's great. We're going to do this. But I want to challenge you. Lord, I want to draw closer to you. Is there something in me that has to go? And I know that in our world, that's so, like, Christianity in our world, God, God bless them, but so, many of, so much of what I hear in our world is, well, God loves you just the way you are. You don't have to change to come to him. And it's like, well, that is true. You don't have to change to turn to him. But he loves, you, he loves you so much that he won't allow you to stay the same way. He loves you too much to, like, it's like this. If you, if you have a child who is hurting themselves and wallowing around in dangerous fire, you're just going to let them keep doing that? Unconditional love, go ahead, play with snakes. Unconditional love, go ahead, go swimming in the pond and go on the ice when it's thin. Like, unconditional love, I love you, you can do whatever you want. You know what that does to a person? It utterly destroys them. God loves us so much that he wants to change what's going on in here so that we become more and more like him. And he can if we will let him. If we'll let him. I had to use some help from Charlton Heston on this one tonight. In the old, and this is where I'm wrapping it up. In the Old Testament, there were two forms of impurity. There were, there were those that were morally impure, um, that had the laws of the commands of God, the Torah, right? The 613 laws and the commands. These are the Ten Commandments you might see. And, okay. Anyway, um, that, was, that was morally impure if you didn't follow the laws. There were those that were ritualistically impure, and if you can't see, because it's a little ways back there, this is a man in tattered garments who's ringing a bell, presumably crying out unclean so that everybody else will back away from him and identify him as being ritualistically impure. He had a disease. And if you were to touch him, or if you were to touch something that was touching him, the whole notion of, in, in the Old Testament is that you then yourself would become impure and unclean. If you were to touch a dead animal, dead person, dead animal, you, you would become unclean. There are certain things that, that impurity would come into you. Okay? 
that is what the Holy Ghost does. In John 7, Jesus stands up at the end of the teaching. Why don't we stand together for prayer? And he says, if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me. Because out of your, King James says belly, it's, it's out of your, 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 your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the, of the Holy Ghost. That's what the Holy Ghost does, the receiving the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be perfect and clean to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost cleanses you. The Holy Ghost, when you receive the Holy Ghost, that is what cleanses you. That's the river that pulls all of the junk out of you. That's that, that, that feeling in your heart that you know something's not right and you know that God's working with you on something. And, and listen, your convictions are going to differ maybe from somebody else's. You don't have, you, here's the thing, you can't impart into somebody else a conviction. Conviction comes from God. I can't give you a conviction. I can teach my kids the way that they should go. We can have guidelines as a church, which we do have, and we will continue to have. Yes, yes, we need that. It's important to have that. I want guide rails. Guide rails keep me safe. I can, go, I can change whatever lane I want, but a guide rail keeps me safe. But the point is, the Holy Ghost is what cleans us up, not our own work. Not our own ways to try and figure it out. And if you're not careful, you might take the position of God in your own life to try and clean out your heart. And you know what? You know what you introduce into it then at that point? You introduce pride into your heart. You say, Lord, cleanse me. Lord, cleanse me. Cleanse my heart. And then what you find is in the book of Ezekiel. That in the book of Ezekiel, you'll find that the, that the prophet is taken by, in a vision to the temple. And out of the temple is a river that's flowing. And this is symbolic of the Holy Ghost. And you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the river flows out of the temple and into the Dead Sea. And everything that's dead along the way, the vision that Ezekiel had, is it now springs to life. Because a life-giving flow is given to everything that's around us. See, holiness is not meant to kill what's around us. It's actually meant to bring things to life. It's less of me, God. Work out the impurities of me. Help me to draw closer to you, Lord. But it's not meant to condemn and to, and to, and to bring other people down around us. Follow peace with all men and holiness. It's meant to bring other people to life. It's meant to let them see that there is something life-giving. And if we can't have holiness without also giving people life, then we don't have holiness at all. God, help us. God, help us in the pursuit of the rest of this study and the things that, we're gonna, the things that we are going to talk about. God, help us to recognize a couple of things. One, we have to prefer our brothers, and we have to be together in unity. But God, help us to realize that in this holiness that we have to pursue, we have to pursue holiness, in this holiness that we have to pursue as we're drawing closer to God, that it's meant to bring life and not to condemn. But it's meant to, it's meant to lift up and ultimately exalt the name of Jesus.
I want to get closer to him, but I want to take this very seriously as well. And as much fun as I want to have with some of these subjects, honestly, I can't tell you I am so excited to get into some of these subjects, to just help us out. I'm excited about it. At the same time, I want us to take it extremely seriously. Work out your own salvation with that fear and that trembling. Yeah. Amen. So prefer one another. So that's all we have tonight. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to get into some of these very specifics. And, and when we do this, what I really want to encourage you is come with openness. Don't come guarded. Don't come ready to just push it back and say, I don't think I want to hear that. That's not for me. We're, we, we strive to do everything that we can do to come from Scripture, not traditions of men, not, not influenced by culture. We want to do everything that we can do to operate by Scripture. And when we do this together, together, rightly dividing the word of truth together, we become a healthy church, which is already a healthy church, and we become a very strong and powerful church. And that's what we're going to see. We've, we're, becoming, we're a healthy church, and now the power, 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 Holy Spirit. God bless you all. Thank you very much.